You're welcome back. This is News File. It's your most authoritative news analysis platform. And here on News File, we put Ghana first. Uh, continue to send us your messages. Uh, we will share them with the rest of the world, what your reality is. But more importantly, tell us also how you are adjusting. You know, Professor Vokpin was talking about how this should lead us to begin to adjust well. Um, this program is brought to you by kindest sponsorship of Bank of Africa, strongest a group and closest a partner, MTN everywhere you go, Star Assurance, your solid partner, Ashesi University, educating ethical and entrepreneur leaders for Africa, Robert and Sons Optical Services, your comprehensive eye care services provider for 31 years, Waylead Properties, home is where one starts, Fun Arts, that is... Uh, f uh, fan Art Ghana. Think Wood, Think Fan Arts. Duraplast, where Duraplast goes, water flows. St. Thomas Eye Hospital, your number one specialist in all eye solutions. And Mayway Insurance. If it's not Mayway, then it's no way. Thank you for being with us on News File. And my guest, we still have uh, Dr. Professor Bokwin with us. We have Dr. Chue Champong with us. And also, uh, we have been joined by Mary Awalana Ada, who is Programs Manager, Ghana Integrity Initiative. We have to say a big thank you to Dr. Humphrey Kwesi Anyimdake, President, Association of Ghana Industries, and Joseph Obeng, National President, Ghana Union of Traders Association, who were with us in the first segment. Right. So now, as you may be aware, um, the OSP has made uh, a ruling or giving a decision on some investigations <laughs> that it has done. And it is receiving some, you know, replies, including from Kennel Damois, who has been fuming that the report is hollow and that the OSP uh, simply has an axe to grind with him somewhat. Let's uh, first get to go to whether or not this is a, a justified process or it is not before we get to deal with the question of the uh, customs and their reaction to the OSP's decision. Let me begin with uh, Mary Awalana Ada. Thank you so very much for your time. Now, you certainly would have read the OSP's report. Uh, it looks detailed, uh, 12 pages. Uh, what do you say about it? Thank you very much, Samson. Good morning to mm -hmm. you and to the panelists who are also on the show today and to your viewers. Mm -hmm. uh, let me start by saying that the OSP clearly states that this is an investigative report. And he went out trying to interrogate a corruption related issue that a whistleblower had brought to his attention. And in this case, the whistleblower is known. And so he investigated, the case is there, he investigated and he's come out with 
his finding. And so for us, uh, we are asking ourselves, is it lawful when you read the OSP Act, uh, per his object, it spells out that he is supposed to be investigating corruption and corruption-related offenses per the PPA Act, and then the, the second function talks about per the Criminal Offenses Act, that's Act 29-1916. And if you look at the Criminal Offenses Act, you are talking about Section 239 onwards, explains what corruption is and what exactly uh, we should be looking at when we talk about corruption. So we should be asking ourselves, did the OSP perform the mandate of his office? If that is the question, we say yes, because his act spells out that that is exactly what we should be interested in and be following up on. Number two, uh, did he have opportunity to give those who were cited in this report to come and also take their case as it is always on to those allegations? Yes, uh, the report that we have all read, that is the case. And then number three, um, we see a report that has been published for all of us to attend to. So for me and uh, for civil society out there, we do not begrudge the OSP at all for performing the duties of his office and for bringing out the investigative report that spells out some infractions that have been occasioned by a company. And in this case, a public institution was cited to be in connivance or to have propelled and promoted that occurrence to have happened. So yes, he actually has done his work. And let me again also add that in the OSP administering his function, that does not also negate the fact that the others who have been cited would not have a mandate to also seek out or respond. And so this is a very natural course which is happening as we, we are all uh, having the opportunity to witness. So he says this and others also believe that should not have been the case. But then uh, it is the duty of all guardians to then judge uh, on the scheme of things within the report and also from the remarks that have uh, been occasioned from the uh, Commissioner of Custom and his entity. Mm. Right. Um, your, your preliminary uh, view on this also, uh, Dr. Theo Champong. Yes, my apologies. I had to turn off, uh, turn on the microphone. Mm. I, I think we must commend the OSP for uh, the work that it has done, um, because uh, remember uh, that the Tema Port, particularly in various reports that uh, I have seen going back several years, has always been um, highlighted as one of the key avenues that we're losing, you know, like revenue from, and I'm sure the um, players and then also the managers of the economy sort of know about this. So for, for me, for the OSP to actually take action based on the complaint that it said they received from one um, person against the uh, said Labianca group of companies, I mean, it's a commendable uh, step in the, in, uh, that we must all uh, give them kudos for.
um, but it also raises fundamental questions in terms of uh, administrative and uh, governance processes that if the customs division of the GRA, according to this uh, report, was um, using uh, unlawful means to give, you know, markdowns or reduction in the benchmark value of frozen, you know, foods imported by La Bianca, then it raises serious fundamental issues that is the process fair to all the players within that space? In other words, are we seeing uh, an uh, arbitrary application of the award of these, you know, reductions? And that then ultimately creates uh, an unlevel or an uneven playing field uh, for the, the players within that space. It, it calls for more investigation. And I think what this does is to highlight to us that as part of the uh, revenue loopholes and the revenue raising measures that we want to take, we have to critically look at what happens uh, at, at, the, at the port. Um, for the said um, lady or member of the Council of State in question, I think the, the person should actually, you know, resign her role pending full investigations. Because in any other jurisdictions that, are, that I know, um, something as serious as this, the first thing that would have come would have been for the said individual to actually, you know, put down uh, their tools and say, I'm not going to hold that membership of the, you know, uh, Council of State, because it's a very big role in that regard. Whilst you allow the full investigative uh, processes uh, to, to, to commence, and if the person doesn't do that, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, there might or, or there would be some legislative provision that would give either the president or whoever the appointing authority is to perhaps call for her to, to step aside whilst the investigation uh, is being done. Mm -hmm. uh, but overall, I do commend the OSP for uh, a very bold move, um, and we need more of such investigations. We need to support the OSP. We need to give it all of the tools, uh, the equipment, the technical know-how, and the money to actually go after those that are, you know, taking away uh, from our collective uh, welfare or well-being. Um, I'll begin by asking you this question. Uh, where you demand for the woman, that is uh, Miss Asuma, uh, Henny, they to either step aside and so on from Council of State and perhaps also from the uh, board membership of the Ghana Ports and Harbors Authority. The question has been asked that um, the dealing was with her company, not with with herself as an individual, and that in the report. The OSP doesn't state specifically, doesn't give you the evidence for which, you know, uh, it indicts her for influence peddling. So why the attention on her and asking her to, you know, uh, leave the Council of State or uh, check out of the uh, uh, Habos Authority? Is it enough? People have asked. Where the OSP says, at paragraph 4.2 that there was not much engagement with the customs division in the first three years of the company's operations 
beyond the settlement of standard customs duty and other tax obligation until 2017, when the company actively commenced applications to the customs division for acceptance by the latter of the values of frozen foods it intended to import. By the time the company commenced the applications, Ms. Asoma Hine had been elected a member of the Council of State representing the Western region and appointed a member of the governing board of the Ghana Ports and Harbors Authority, position she held at all material times. On this reckoning, Ms. Asoma Hine is a politically exposed person as defined under sections uh, section 79 of the OSP Act. Then he the OSP says it would appear that the coincidence of the indicated applications and the public office appointments of Miss Asuma Hene was not altogether accidental. Some say this is speculative, it's not evidence. He says there is strong evidence to suggest that the events are a product of influence peddling. So the question that people are asking is, is this enough? If you take away the other side, where the customs, uh, deputy customs um, uh, director, whatever you call him, that, that is uh, Mr. Educe, that he, when the applications uh, came before him, and let me read the, that portion. It says that the application was almost outlandish. In, it, in effect, it requested for the acceptance by the customs division a range of values between 50% and 80% lower than the approved benchmark values of the frozen foods in question. Mr. Educe, who was seized with the matter, declined the prayer of the applicants on the advice of the Customs Technical Services Bureau. Had, he, had the matter ended there, the complaint would have had no substance and the investigations would have terminated at the preliminary stage. Further, the perplexingly audacious nature of the application would have been rendered of no moment. So what do you say to those concerns? Yeah, I mean, I think it's very quite clear in the uh, 4.3 that the, there is strong evidence to suggest that the events are a product of influence peddling. Um, would this stand um, the rigor of the legal uh, processes for uh, for for that matter, because uh, I think the the OSP or this report is just one of many uh, other documents that they would be privy to, and I I think that the OSP would also have been working strongly with the uh, with the Attorney General and other investigative agencies of the state, um, and for them to actually put a wedding like strong evidence does indicate uh, on the face value of it that there was some sort of element of um, influence peddling. Whether that stands, you know, uh, through the rigors of the law is another debate that we can have. But I, I don't buy the argument that uh, the woman or the company and the said individual 
uh, different things. I mean, ultimately, the point is, is she a person with significant control in the company? Is she a shareholder and or a director of the company? And if we can actually prove, uh, going through the company records from the registrar journals and others, that uh, indeed she has um, some shareholding in the company or is a director and all of that, it's, then that argument that, in that, a way that, that is not that is not in doubt. It's her company. She's a CEO, but. Um, be, because she's a council of state member, because she's a member of the Ghana Ports and Harbors Authority board, that, does, should that make put her in this situation? I, I mean, absolutely. Is she yeah. classified? The law says or defines what a person, a PEP is, right? A politically exposed person is. And, and we can go to the USP Act to read that definition. And, yeah. and for her to have been not only for me a council of state member, but importantly, even on the board of the Port and Harbors Authority, the regulator of the port raises obvious red flags uh, in, in that regard. So, I mean, it's a bit of a stretch for people to argue that um, she's not directly implicated and it is a company, and so because of that, she shouldn't resign. I think all of the evidence that um, the OSP makes allusions to um, in the report and some of the other investigative reports clearly point to the fact that uh, the woman should resign from those two public positions mm. whilst you know some um, investigations are being done and eventually even prosecution so if nothing wrong was done why did the said company repay back one million you know uh, cities to the to the public treasury it tells you that um, the process for those significant reductions um, was not properly followed and properly done. Mm. And it could have been, and I use my words advisedly, it could have been as a result of influence peddling. Mm. That can be subject to further you know, scrutiny in a, in, a, uh, in a court of law. Okay, I'd I like uh, Mary to comment on this for us because you are at the uh, Ghana Integrity Initiative, you are the anti-corruption, you know, at the anti-corruption forefront. Um, do you also see any problem with this and uh, shouldn't the OSP have, if you like, hardcore evidence, as people are suggesting, that she actually influenced the process before the OSP can say that uh, she influenced the process? Uh, to be a politically exposed person, the law says uh, politically exposed person includes A, a person who is or has been entrusted with a prominent public function in this country, a foreign country or an international organization, including a, a senior political party official, uh, government, judiciary, judicial or military official, a person who is or has been an executive in a foreign country or a state-owned company, a senior political party official, in a foreign country and an immediate family member or close associate of a person referred to in paragraph A above. Yes, Mary. Yeah, thank you so much. Something you realize that the fight against corruption, as you would, uh, you know, and we all agree to, is a dark activity. And so, in usual, usually it occurs when people are doing things behind the scenes and they are in collusion. So it's difficult to come up with evidence as to who exactly is doing what. So when Chiok mentions that 
The woman said the report has been cited for influence ethnic, and she is a politically exposed person. Where it is true that she is, even though she's not directly fronting the company. That is why sometime back during 2016, it became very important to uh, review our company's act to ensure that we brought in the element of beneficial owners. So that people who are behind the trends who do not even want to be known are known. So that today, if myself, I want to know exactly what is happening in those companies and who are behind them, I go to the registrar general to pick up information to check exactly who those owners are. One, uh, we say she is the person who is in charge of the company and should be blamed for all things. For all executive decisions, even though she's in, uh, she's a member of the Council of State and also a, a member of the board, we know that in this country, nobody who owns a company would leave it for somebody else to manage. That is frank and that is a fact. Two, we know for a fact that this woman would be signing checks off and understand exactly the ins and outs and approve of processes before they happen. Again, I remember listening to her on another platform that she was not even in the country and doesn't know a report was produced. But then she affirmed that the OSP invited her for an interview. On what basis was she invited? She was invited because she is the owner the head and also the exclusive owner because we don't know of any other person if they sold the privacy mm. which she has. What do, you say, so, what do you say to the freight forwarders? They, they have the chamber, they call the chamber of um, chamber of freight and trade. They issued a statement and suggested that the fact that her company had not uh, sought some of these kind of, uh, if you like, quote-unquote, discounts bef uh, for three years does not mean that, does not mean anything. It only means that the company did not know about these facilities. So the fact that the company only accessed these facilities when she became member of Council of State and uh, after she became uh, a member of the uh, GPHA board, it's, it's of no moment. It should not be used to hang her. She, she's, a, she's a Ghanaian. She can own a company and be, be whoever she wants to be and shouldn't be treated this way. That, that was one of the most unfortunate statements I had occasion to read. Mind you, the first forwarders, I think it's another grouping. Uh, the first forwarders association itself is not the one who authored this. I think it's another one that authored it. But then, let's, let, let, let's take it that somebody who has entered into an arena would know whatever happens in the space. And so, for three good years, the person operating the business did not know was not aware of some of the provisions and some of the discounts that were available to them to assess. Excuse me. Something. We are not children in this country, and we know for a fact that the customs division continuously does ed education on some of the discounts that are available and the processes. It is also because they were putting in place various 
papers and also various policies at this time. And remember that these benchmark issues came up because they, they had shortfalls and they believed that uh, people who were importing in certain quantities could benefit from this. And so there is no way that the company would not have known of the availability of this, uh, considering the magnitude of their importation. And so it is not perfect at all that everybody who listens to this and reads and knows what happens in the arena would say that it is because the lady had opportunity or was occasioned by the place of her power. She was entrusted with certain power at a certain point, so she could go in and apply. And remember, in her first instance of applying, she did not even get the quantum she wanted. She wanted between the 50 to 80%, which was denied. Then we come back to hear that she didn't even go in to apply for any uh, discount anymore. And yet she got a 5 to 10%. Mm. Where did that happen? Who occasioned that? Who approved that? We know that somebody in the custom division approved this, but what were the unseen hands pulling this and dragging this and ensuring that this happened? It is the fact that uh, I've heard a lot of the officials speak to the fact that they look at when you talk about the law, they look at a lot of things talking about the origin and where they, uh, in the duty, they talk about origins and where the particular item is coming from. They also do the valuation to assess and then the classification. On classification, they determine exactly what you are bringing and what you say in your description. So, after they say all these things, they say they create a platform for those who bring in a certain quantity of the item to assess those rates. Why is it that the same people, the importers who are importing into this country, have the challenge uh, of not also acquiring or securing the sales as this woman has? We are all in this country and we know what happened. And so it is not surprising that the OSP comes out with those findings. And I am very sure that the OSP, who is a lawyer, working with lawyers to understand the law would not just come out peddling uh, falsehood and, and making certain allegations which cannot stand the rigors of the law. Mm. Uh, let's just give him some credence mm. because he understands what he is doing uh, and let's support this court. And as you said, we would want to commend him for the boldness of taking this step. And whoever does not agree knows where to go to. Mm. Okay, um, Prof, yes. let's now hear from you. You certainly would have read the report. This is um, the LaBianca company. It's supposed to be, you know, one of the biggest importers uh, in this country, uh, controlling up to, is it 12 to 15% uh, of uh, imports that comes into that's this country, huge. frozen food, chicken, those things, that's, and fries. That, that's huge. Mm. These are the people that will not support local production vested interest right okay so look at it this way um of course i also commend the special prosecutor um i'll start off this way you could not address ghana's revenue generation challenges without encountering 
what the special prosecutor is going through. You could not. Hmm. The reason I say so is that the leakages in our revenue envelope, and we've talked about that across the various tax handles, from customs and all of that, are done, rehearsed, performed, also in connivance with revenue generation uh, officials. That there's, there's enough literature to support that. So I'm, I'm not surprised that self-officials were mentioned and all because to complete this transaction, it will go beyond just the company doing the imports. Mm. Okay, it would involve certain key people in that value chain. The, the, uh, some of the questions I wanted to ask probably have been answered. The, is this woman a card-bearing member of the MPP? I think that's also a question not in doubt. In fact, people uh, seem to know exactly how much he contributed in funding the campaign. But, but, why, but why should that be a problem? There are people in the party who are in government who are doing their business. We shouldn't say they, they have used fraudulent means simply because shouldn't their companies also survive? I don't have a problem. There are types of people who support political parties. Beyond a certain point, others become political investors who invest and therefore, when their party wins, they will be looking at using that kind of leverage to get into positions that can further their business or their interest or as a way of also earning return on their political investment, essentially trying to maximize their return on that investment. And that certainly will conflict with the objective and the principle of the state. So look at it this way. Does the organization where she's a board member, does it have anything to do with her line of business? How was she chosen for that particular board role? Mm -hmm. so, so we are looking at all this, whether these steps are being taken essentially to further her, or to aid her maximization of political investment. If we can check all these box, then, the, then, then we should not really be be casting doubts to this report and the because if we continue like this that, that is suspicion isn't that isn't it how many Ghanaians will be in such a position will have such opportunity and the privilege to do so and all of that and all of these things lend to what we call elite capture right elite capture which is beyond just political capture you you political capture you find that across top chiefs top religious leaders, top civil servants, top politicians at that level, right? And, and they speak a common language, right? It's more about protecting their interests, it's more about maximizing their interests and all of that. Top journalists, so, top lecturers. <laughs> <laughs> Across all right. various occupational groups, right? Mm -hmm. And all of that. So, but I think the critical thing we need to look at for which the, the special prosecutor needs support mm -hmm. in times like this, is to recognize that there are vested interests in this economy, that the leakages in our revenue envelope and all of that actually benefit individuals, benefit uh, institutions. And therefore, if we have to address that and put Ghana first, that would mean that uh, uh, those who are performing their functions will certainly have to step on the toes of certain powerful people and all of that. We need to support them. Mm. This is the time that the country must rally together. We've said this before, that part of why projections from Ghana Revenue Authority or even from Ministry of Finance in the budget, 
we don't get to achieve that. I also explained through many of these uh, exemptions, many of these uh, 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 discounts and all of that that probably are difficult to explain mm. and all of that. And we know that there are some people at the port, you dare not touch their containers and all of that, right? So if we continue like this, there will be no future for this country. There will only be a future for political parties and their investors and all of that. So I think uh, we need to commend the, the, the special prosecutor. And then we need to broaden that also. This is where I come from. I believe that before this report was issued, the office of the special prosecutor certainly knew how powerful this person is, mm. that there will be a response in one way or the other. So I want to believe that they would have done the basic checks here and there. Probably it's not everything they will put out there. There will be some underlining uh, supporting documents that probably they, they, they are leveraging on to address this issue. But, okay. but let's, let's just bear in mind that for Ghana to develop, for it to benefit all of us, we must be prepared to sacrifice some of these vested interests. We must be prepared to deal with all of this. Other than that, we are not going anywhere. Mm. We are not going because the current system, whilst it affects negatively majority of Ghanaians, there are those who profit and benefit from from this, and they would want to make sure that the status quo actually remains. All right. So uh, we're taking a break, uh, but when we return, I'd like us to focus on the custom officials, particularly not um, the Deputy Commissioner uh, Joseph Duce, who, when this was brought to him, declined. And he declined on the basis of a report of the technical team of his, the same organization. How he explains why later on he decided to change his position or, as it were, set aside the technical advice he got. And then the uh, Colonel Kojo uh, Damwa, we also want to find out why, after, as we understand, he admits that this shouldn't have happened. And then it's in the media now saying that the OSP has some acts to grind with him. He's a small boy, he'll be dealt with. We're taking a break, but let's listen to Professor Mills, uh, late Professor Mills. He had been at the port and uh, gave us a sign of what is going on there. In fact, the police, the IGP now, they have given us some suggestions that if you say they are the most corrupt, they disagree because you don't investigate places like uh, customs. Officers of customs, you are Ghanaian citizens. You have to help us to build a better Ghana. But if this is the kind of behavior, this is the kind of attitude that you have, you are not helping us in any way. Indeed, today, I came to express my disgust and my revulsion at the way some of you are helping to erode the benefits that we are making or we have to give to our people. You are in charge of revenue. Every day we hear reports about malpractices. People collecting bribes with careless abandon. People who think that they are entitled to take bribes. How can we get rid of corruption? I'm not saying that nobody should appreciate the work that you are doing. But when you make it a condition 
somebody should give you some money before you perform your duties. I've known Kassel for quite some time. I was Commissioner of Internal Revenue. And the announced video confirmed the fears I've had for quite some time. Look at yourself. I want to talk very frankly to you. Somebody joins customs. Two, three years, the person is putting up a building. The person owns a car. In what organization will it take you three years to build? And it is not the exception. It is the rule. Very often, my Minister for Finance is worried about the fiscal gap that we have. And your duty is to collect, to display transparency in the way you operate. And I'm happy with the initiative that General Morde has taken. And I give him my full support. My brothers and sisters, let me be very honest with you. If it means transferring everybody, I will give him the authority to do so. If it means changing all the people in customs, I will do so. Because we do not owe anybody anything. But I know there are good people amongst you. My name is William Kofienti, the CEO of Ad Pharma Limited. We are an organization that is always seeking innovative solutions to make our operations easy. So when our insurance agent recommended Pukia Chart to insure from Star Assurance, we did not hesitate to try it. I can tell you the process was seamless and 100% visual with no human intervention. You simply save number 0242426160 and start your chart with Pukia. What does money mean to you? It means convenience. It gives me the ability to do business at my own pace. It allows me to live my life with ease and enjoy my lifestyle without interruptions. Security. I can make investments I can trust and I know exactly where my money is all the time. Having the flexibility to do what I want to. The feeling and peace of mind I get knowing I can safely receive remittances from my family and friends from the comfort of my home. Money means safety. Money means so many things to so many people. But no matter what you use it for or what it may mean to you, money is the one thing that keeps us going and makes our lives a little bit brighter. So what does money mean to you? Just momo it. MTM. For decades, we have helped businesses connect with their trade partners all over the globe. From Ghana to Burkina Faso, Cote d'Ivoire, Benin, Togo, Senegal, China, Morocco, France, Netherlands, and many other countries. We have made it possible to bring Ghana to the world. 
we have brought small and medium businesses closer to their customers across the regions in Ghana with our SME support facilities. We have brought relief and smiles to the faces of families with our employee personal loans. With our cutting-edge technology and digital support, we take the burden of complex thinking off you. Making life simple. That is who we are. As close as a partner. Bank of Africa. We are indeed the African bank with the global reach. Did you know that Ghana has one of the highest prevalence of glaucoma in the world? Glaucoma is a silent disease that slowly blinds you. It has no symptoms until the later stages. Glaucoma has no cure, but it can be treated to prevent loss of sight. This involves using eye drops, laser treatments, or eye surgeries to reduce the eye pressures. Visit the St. Thomas Eye Hospital and get advice on which treatment works best for you. St. Thomas Eye Hospital has a surgical center at Mataheko Flamingo, an outpatient clinic on the Osu Oxford Street in Accra, and a new clinic at the Tema Evergreen Shopping Center. Call us on 024-675-8483 or 054-012-5450 for more information. Hubtel presents Fresh Anguamo with all the great delights. Fufu in a flash with Koto, Yemadie and Akrantie. Almighty Gobe with Koko and Eggs-ish. Crispy fried chicken with rice pizzas, and whatever else you're looking for or need to pay for. Hubtel presents Ghana's most useful app. Hubtel is everything you. Excellent furnishing in a real estate business is a great deal for survival. My struggles as a young estate developer were cut short when I discovered Fernart Ghana. With quality furniture made from the finest woods and amazing after-sale service, Fernat Ghana changed my story with every single home I built. It's a one-stop shop that serves the interests of clients with a variety of living room and dining sets, solid wood kitchen installations, wardrobes, doors, cabinets, beds, agolas, floor parquets, and many other wooden products that will last a lifetime. With Fernat Ghana, all clients are offered the opportunity to customize furniture to their specifications. And the smile on their faces says it all. Thanks to Fernat, now your home can look beautiful with furniture that would last for generations. Visit Fernat Ghana today and share my story. Locate us at Geneva Estate or Sue Accra or call 0303-966-085 or 055-278-4097. Think wood, think Fernat. You're welcome back. This is Newsfile. It's the most authoritative news analysis platform. And here on Newsfile, we put Ghana first. Now, let's listen to Colonel Damois and his issues with the OSP. Since three days ago, what has been happening? A report purporting or coming from the Office of a Special Prosecutor trying to indict the Deputy Commissioner of Prisons and myself. And if anybody who has read that report very well will know 
the basis of that. And luckily for me, God is always on my side. Before that report came, that person had made a statement to some people who had come to them. He was going to publish something that will discredit me, and he will do that. And I even sent people to go and tell him that he's a small boy. I'm older than him. I have lived a meaningful life. If he attempts to destroy me, it won't be easy for him. People have tried it. I have survived. And this one too, I'll survive. All that happened. One of the reasons was because of Mr. Akurubu. He wanted Mr. Akurubu to be seconded to his office. And I said, no. Mr. Akurubu is a custom officer, primarily employed to do customs work. And he is to partner Mr. Akutofachin in that office, African Continental Free Trade Area. He deals with tariffs and valuation. And therefore, I cannot second him to the office of the special prosecutor because he has a primary role to play in customs. And then he comes back through the commissioner again. And again, I said, I insist and will go by that, that he has a primary role. It is when I don't have a role for him or I can dispense of his services, I have others to do what he's going to do, that I will give him to you. So I insist. And he calls me to his office when I, in, in relation to La Bianca. And at the end of it, he called, talks to me about this same matter. And I said, yes. It is not a commissioner general. I wrote it. Go and check it. And I have my reasons. He will not be released to you. He will be in customs. And then behind me, he goes to resign. He's given the position of commissioner of police rank, and he's now with your office. And he goes to make allegations that Mr. Duchi and myself will hit him, and they will deal with us. So that is it. That is the basis of that publication. But if you read it very well, there's nothing in it. It's hollow. Um, is actuated by malice and the, those who are behind it, they know themselves. They know themselves. They've tried it several times, it is not working and they want, it won't work. I'm ready for any prosecution. That's what he must do. Not to say that they should do further investigations up to 2017. Up to 2015, I have letters written by Deputy Commissioner Demis Agavo granting similar things. And I produced them when he called me. He didn't have the letters, but I had the letters. My predecessor, Mr. Kenson, had those letters. This is common practice in customs. If you want to remove me, I have no problems. I won't be Commissioner Customs forever. I'm ready to go, but don't disgrace me. By Section 12 of our law, the same Customs Act gives advanced ruling. And the import of advanced ruling is that someone who is bringing in goods can come and see customs and say that I'm bringing this type of item this quantity and these are my values that the supplier wants to give to me to be able to buy but i want to come and sit with you so that you reduce the value for purposes of application of the duty rate the taxes that i'm going to pay so let's say if um, the supplier is prepared to give the item a thousand dollars right because he's buying more the supplier may give it even with a discount and standard. Then he comes to say that, look, every month, I'm going to buy so much, at least 200 containers of this item. And because customers is going to get reliable, sustainable source of revenue, can you now look at my value and reduce it? Give me some discount. That is what the advanced ruling talks about. La Bianca took advantage of this provision in the law and wrote to customers that they are supplying frozen food items. That each month, at least, they supply 200 
containers. And for that, me as the commissioner, if you have one importer who gives you revenue regularly, sustainably, you'll be interested in that person. Because there are people who buy just one container, the whole year he won't buy another container. But this is the person who says, every month I'm bringing 200, 300, 400. So that person is your real, regular, reliable stakeholder who will be giving you revenue. So it is the provision of the law that they took advantage of and wrote to customs, and customs agreed to give them discounts. I would even ask for a whole, a more comprehensive investigation and um, beyond the period of time that the special prosecutor um, investigated. I'm sure there's more to it than meets the eye. Now to Colonel Damois, um, I'm really, um, it's really sad and regrettable that a public officer holding the high office of Commissioner of Customs of the Ghana Revenue Authority would give such um, such comments, would actually, prove, I mean, give such comments and make such comments about such a serious indictment. I mean, very, very talking about the special prosecutor being a small boy and about God and about uh, he's led a meaningful life. What does, what has that got to do with the finding of facts? Well, so that's the question. Um, mm. Indeed, from Lanoye later, what has being a small boy got to do with the finding of fact? Findings that these individuals, according to the report, participated and do not deny their participation and what they told the commission. Um, the deputy commissioner who eventually went ahead to grant the quote-unquote discount. Why did he decline in the first place? He declined to do it on the basis that the technical team had checked and advised that the application was not merit meritorious. It should not be granted. The question is, how did it eventually get granted? The commissioner, as you heard, says this is normal advanced ruling is what happened under section 12 of the customs act the people involved say they did not apply for advanced ruling that mm -hmm. is also not that is also a fact that is not denied so where are we where are we heading to with all of this but the, as far as the special prosecutor is concerned, Section 12 is completely not applicable because if you want advanced ruling, the process to go through, the things you are supposed to submit before you can get the advanced ruling are not what was in question here. And yet, the person got what they asked for. Um, we have um, intercepted some bit of you know, correspondence. That suggests that, uh, not suggests, that is very categorical that on the 20th of December 2021 there was there was instruction to all commissioners as follows <clears throat> granting of discounts in custom valuations that no discount should be granted should be given on any item or product with immediate effect 
and this directive should be communicated across all sectors of customs division all existing approved discounts which are running should be cancelled with immediate effect. Commissioner Customs should submit letters on all discounts granted to companies from January 2021 up to date for consideration of the board by 30th December 2021. What we understand is that this was triggered by the OSP's you know, uh, preliminary investigation and request to the customs that they were doing something wrong. So by this, it stands to reason that the, the OSP has helped the country to save a lot of money over the period that they put a freeze on the discounts. Um, so Mary, um, let's start with you on the concerns of the, of the customs boss and the one who did the signing. The OSP is saying that he takes ultimate responsibility and that's where he suffers. He cannot say that, you know, uh, he didn't do the right thing initially and everything is okay. And I agree totally with the OSP when he says the boss takes ultimate responsibility. It's good corporate governance principle. When it is good, he takes the benefits thereof. If customs was trained today for putting out certain policies that have inured to the benefit of the state and have ensured that the GRA as a collective is uh, exceeding its target by a certain margin, I believe the praise would definitely be shared by the top bosses. And so for me, even the ultimate responsibility goes beyond Kenel Damois. So, Reverend Amishadai, who is the GRA board, the Commissioner General. Again, I say that is the case because who else do you play? Because these things happen in the ordinary scheme of things. The approvals do not just emanate from the Deputy Commissioner operation. Most definitely, this would go to the board and be approved at that level before they are implemented. The deputy commissioner just signs and says it's approved when they have agreed. And so ultimate responsibility, therefore, cannot be on anyone, but the uh, generality of the management, and in this case, is the commission, uh, the customs commission and also the GRA, who should be blamed. Um, I believe that in this case, whatever the issue is, uh, whatever law, uh, uh, we have heard them come out to say that mm. this is the ordinary thing they would do. And the uh, commissioner has indicated that uh, it predated him up to about 2014 or thereabout. They do benchmark values and they do custom uh, advanced rulings for people. And it's not just for uh, La Bianca and her associates, which they have uh, been cited to have done that for and so they are the people who even gave information to the OSP on this. Um, I, my point of departure would be that whatever the case is, is this the right thing to do per the law? Is this what the World Customs Organization uh, requires that mm. all 
the OSP says the OSP that says no from its uh, examination no. of everything. That's not what is required. Um, we are running out of time, so I want to see if I can get a minute from uh, Dr. Thieu Champong. Uh, what do you make of the small boy thing and uh, <laughs> how he cannot be removed? Uh, from our information, uh, the, the gentleman, uh, Alberta Krugu, who he talks about, um, actually resigned from customs uh, in April. And the investigations on this matter had ended in March. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's funny, but it's an unfortunate statement. And in a way, it betrays, you know, the, the psyche of uh, a lot of people uh, in the country. In Ghana, we like to play big money games. You know, people ask, uh, do you know who I am? And all of that. And also, we like to play the God card a lot uh, in, in our dealings. Um, but when you look at the data, we are also among the most corrupt <laughs> in, in that regard. So it, it actually shows you we have a, a much bigger problem or issue. That aside, I think the, the detail of this investigation and what it really points to is the process for the award of these discounts and you know benchmark value estimation needs to be re-looked at. Mm. Um, and because you have all these normal provisions within the law, the, guy, the man says that it's a common practice, quote and unquote. But we know that anytime you have these mm. provisions and you give leeway, mm. we always end up abusing the mm. process. All and right. those is I'm, I'm sorry, but unfortunately, we have run out of time. Uh, my guests have been uh, Godfrey, Bok, Professor Godfrey Bokwin, Professor of Finance and Economist, University of Ghana, Dr. Theo Champong, Political Risk Analyst and Economist, Mary Awalana Ada, is Programs Manager Ghana Integrity Initiative. Um, my outfit, as always, is by Habil Scooter. You can find them at Adringano Gate, East Legon, 0284. 1988 uh, we understand that utility tariffs are going to go up by between 30 to 50 percent uh, we've got to brace up um, take care i'm samson ladia yenini have a good afternoon as for the osp report i suppose that those who want to challenge it will go to courts in due course <laughs>